2: What's driving the conversation in California today? Every weekday at this time, we explore a topic that's making news in our state. This is the State of California. Good afternoon. This is the State of California. Doug Sovereign is off. Today we are joined by political scientists from Sonoma State University, Dr. David McEwen.
0: As we have reported the last two weeks, the failure of Silicon Valley Bank and concerns about the banking industry remain front and center in the news. On March 10th, the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, FDIC, took control of Silicon Valley Bank's operations after the institution's cash shortfall. Triggered the largest bank failure since Washington Mutual During the height of the 2008 financial crisis Later, the federal government moved to guarantee the bank uh, depositors' money would be there Including those with deposits that exceeded the $250,000 standard insurance level The first time that FDIC has done this for large depositors As a result, there appears to be much angst among voters, depositors and customers, as well as with politicians about both reassuring the public about the banking industry and at the same time visiting the conditions and regulations that led to the collapse of SVB. Professor McEwen, thank you so much for joining us. Set the context for us today. How are the politics of the failure of this bank important here in California and for that matter, the 2024 election period?
3: Well, good afternoon, Brett and Patty, and it's a pleasure to be with you. And as we look at what's happened with Silicon Valley Bank and the angst that many voters are facing, we also have, if you will, in the background going on three Democrats running for uh, to replace Dianne Feinstein as a U.S. senator from California. And those three, Adam Schiff, Bar- uh, Oakland's own Barbara Lee, and obviously Katie Porter, have all tried to position themselves on the side of consumers. And as we look at that race, we also see other elements developing And that is that uh, candidates like Katie Porter are talking about uh, change. They're talking about backing uh, candidates, uh, other candidates, and further regulations related to FDIC. And it's really set, if you will, kind of a I told you so moment in the midst of developing those campaign components and paying attention to the regulations going on around Silicon Valley Bank. So for consumers and for depositors and for voters, that Senate race is coming into squarely a focus as they look at what's happened with Silicon Valley Bank.
2: Well, to talk more about it, we are going to turn to the KCBS Ring Central newsline and speak with Representative Katie Porter, a Democrat who represents California's 47th congressional district. She is also a candidate to replace Senator Dianne Feinstein. Senator, thank you. Oh, I, I elected you already. <laughs> Representative, <laughs> thank you very much for joining us this afternoon.
1: Thank you for having me.
2: Talk to us about the failure of Silicon Valley Bank and the repercussions. How important is it in your view?
1: It's incredibly important that we act now to put in place the regulations that can prevent further bank failures. Because once you get into a bank failure situation, there are really only bad options. And we saw with Silicon Valley Bank the federal government, the federal regulators, trying to come up with really the least bad option to deal with this situation. And there's, an, there's a very easy fix here, which is to put back in place the regulations that were enacted after the financial crisis as part of Dodd-Frank that applied to banks of Silicon Valley bank size, that is, banks with between 50 and $250 billion in assets. We put good regulations in place, but in 2018, Republicans – under trump plus a significant handful of democrats joined together to weaken these bank regulations for exactly the size of bank that silicon valley bank is
3: representative porter thanks for uh, running off the house floor there and joining us today we appreciate it uh, do you think that the regulators handled this situation with regard to silicon valley bank well could have done better acted too late what do you think they could have done here better in, in your view
1: There are definitely questions to be asked about why they didn't act earlier, and I think it's appropriate that we get those Federal Reserve regulators and FDIC folks in front of us in Congress to do oversight of what they knew and when and why they didn't act. I think once the bank closed, I think the regulators worked very diligently to try to locate a buyer, try to come up with a strategy. But one of the lessons here is that the traditional banking failure model, which is that you close the bank down on a Friday afternoon, you use the weekend to stabilize it, doesn't work in a digital world, doesn't work in a world where all the depositors are connected to each other on Twitter and social media, doesn't work in a world of online banking where you can go make withdrawals at midnight on Saturday night. So I, th- I think That is something in this case sort of analog banking law in a digital world is something that is a bigger policy question that we need to grapple with in Congress and ask our banking regulators to think more about how to create the pause that is necessary to actually stabilize and hopefully right a financial institution in trouble.
0: Do you think a partial solution is raising the FDIC insurance limits on deposits like uh, they did this time around?
1: There may be an argument for raising those deposit limits, and that's a debate that I think Congress should have. That's a congressional decision. And we had a um, meeting today. I led a conversation in the Congressional Progressive Caucus today about this exact topic about Silicon Valley bank failure. But I want to be clear. The, raising the deposit rates, deposit insurance limit, only helps us deal with bank failures. The goal is not to get there because once a bank has failed, again, there is going to be pain. There is going to be systemic risk. There is going to be um, shocks to the business community and to the economy. So I think it's important not to conflate the two things. We may well want to raise the deposit um, insurance limits. That's a debate we can have. But it's it's not that does not solve I think a fundamental problem, which is trying to prevent these kinds of, of issues. That requires proactive regulation and stronger enforcement by the Federal Reserve and FDIC of those regulations in the first place. The last thing I would say is raising the insurance cap to from 250,000 to a million, from 250,000 to 10 million isn't free. Banks pay for those um that deposit insurance, they pay a fee to the Federal Reserve, that money goes into the deposit insurance fund, and guess who pays that cost? All of us as banking customers. So Congress actually raised this from one hundred thousand to 250,000 after the financial crisis. This isn't something that Congress forgot to do. We had a robust debate about how, how high to set this limit, and we chose 250,000 dollars because the costs of going higher drive up the costs of banking for everyone, including everyday working Americans, cool. whose accounts, of course, have nowhere near that much money in them.
2: How confident are you that real reform is going to take place after the Silicon Valley Bank uh, collapse, and and not just some window dressing?
1: Well, my legislation, which is called the SVB Act, um, Secure Viable Banking Act, is is directly a response to Silicon Valley Bank's failure. Uh, I introduced it in the House, Senator Warren, Elizabeth Warren introduced it in the Senate, And I believe we have something like um, 50 or 60 co-sponsors on that bill already, just in a matter of a few days. So I actually think there's a real recognition here of the costs of trying to grapple with this afterwards. And then Congress made a mistake when they rolled back financial regulations just a couple years, 10 years after the financial crisis, the point of financial regulations is to prevent us from getting here. And I think there's a recognition that that's something we should work on. And I hope it's a bipartisan recognition. I'm pushing hard for that.
3: You, you know, uh, Senator Elizabeth Warren of Massachusetts has been especially skating in her critique of, of Jerome Powell of the FDIC and his handling of the banking situation. Do you agree with Senator Warren's criticism of Chairman Powell?
1: Chairman Powell definitely needs, as as the Fed is raising interest rates, it is his job to understand the economic consequences of doing that. And one of the economic consequences of raising the interest rate is a threat of greater unemployment among the American people, which is very serious. But it's also this interest rate rate mismatch, which ended up pushing. Silicon Valley bank into failure. The problem here wasn't that the bank didn't have worthwhile assets or had made bad loans. The problem here was a mismatch between the interest rates of a couple years ago and the interest rates of today. As a prudential supervisor, it is Powell's job, Chairman Powell's job, to tell his bank examiners and tell his Federal Reserve presidents as we raise interest rates, we need to watch out for this. So I have a lot of questions for him. I do think it's important. It's, it's relevant at this moment to question where he was and why he let us get to this point.
2: Well, thank you so much for joining us. Our guest has been Representative Katie Porter.
0: Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. clock at four. Donchich. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at TMobile.com/AcrossAmerica. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card, available 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device, credit, service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier, and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months.
3: Oh, oh.